Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Take two. Good morning. Um, it is the it's the morning before the night after. Is that what? Not a, yeah, that's what it is. So Vic Bread Super Series Finals, purest night at Melton Park tomorrow night. Twelve Group Ones worth one point five million dollars. Um, but for those who missed the start of the show, the good news is we're going to be able to go for about fifteen minutes here and and get a number of these races underway. And we want to get them done because oh, I didn't read out my multicultural unbelievably last week and finally unbelievably got one uh, but before we get stuck into the form 12 races 12 group ones as mentioned and some magnificent events pretty much all of them well all of them are magnificent events right across the board it's probably worth reflecting uh, a little with dan uh, as i welcome you in dan maliki on um the sad and tragic passing of uh, of tara tom hogan during the week i spent last night i, I don't normally get um, nervous, Dan, when uh, I'm doing anything in the media, particularly writing. It's something that I love to do. But I, I for uh, for Tara Tom, and that's up on the uh, on the website on harness.org.au and also the trots.com.au for some time yesterday, feeling uh, a pretty heavy weight and burden for two reasons: wanting to make uh, Tara proud of uh, of what I produced and, and and all of his friends and loved ones, of which there are clearly you know multitudinous and myriad. Um, but also just thinking, when you've lived a life that big and that large, um, h- how do you encapsulate it in, in five or six hundred words? He was he was a larger-than-life figure, and it's almost... Um, he's one of those people... I, I don't think we'll ever see the like of Atara Tom Hogan ever again. It's a little bit sad, isn't it? How are you this morning? Yeah, look, at you're right. Absolutely very sad. Thanks, Um uh, Jason, hello everybody. It is. I mean, anyone that you know, it doesn't have to be in the uh, in the work. It could be private. Mm. Um, but when there's a figure like this in in our jobs um, or involvement in harness racing, in some part we step over the line of being uh, a professional and get paid for it. And the other part, you know, the heart comes through. And for most of the people that are in harness racing, there's a bit of that mixture in all of them. And and Tom was. Um, well, he was as, he he was part of harness racing for my whole life, and yeah. um, um, he he was a really good friend of of Gavin Lang as well, and supporter of anything great uh, or outstanding in harness racing. He true passionate um, supporter, uh, and he had a number of roles over a number of years. And um, yeah, it's always it's always very sad when you lose someone that you know and respect. Uh, it doesn't really matter how well that you know them, but in this case with Tom, I'd, I'd see him quite regularly at the trots, particularly in the last couple of years more so uh, as well because he, he could field um, yeah. as a bookmaker and be the only bookmaker there at a number yeah. pl- number of places I had worked at. And if he wasn't there, sometimes there'd be nobody else. So, um, I mean, it's easy to say someone's going to be sadly missed, but he really will be. He was such a major component of harness racing, a major um, supporter, contributor uh, as an owner. Um, he had shares in lots of horses and he just absolutely loved it. He just typifies um, the harness uh, person, the true harness spirit in a person and that with the passion. Um, uh, he made so many friends and so many people admired him uh, along the way without maybe knowing him as well. So um, he yeah, absolutely captured it perfectly. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned in the article, I think he's the greatest legacy is going to be his mentoring role um, to so many. He, he was, I think, Tara was very young and hard. I remember turning to the, uh, at the track and he'd be, 
Hi, Bono. Hello, Bono. And uh, he just mm. had that, that young spirit about him. Even, uh, as mentioned, he, I believe he was doing the form for this meeting, you know, as soon as the fields came out, right up to the end. Such was his passion and desire and love for harness racing. And he's involved, or obviously the Super Murray group is involved with a couple of runners that will go around tomorrow night at Melton Park. But there's, I mean, you would have felt this when you were coming through the ranks. I think there's, there's only sort of four or five people, from my perspective, that... It felt like it felt different when you um, when you had that emotion that okay this person actually recognises me, acknowledges me, and respects me. And I'm thinking of from a participant point of view, people like uh, Gavin Lang. Um, when you when, when I finally sat down up there in Queensland with him on Sunshine Sprint Night and had a great chat and felt like there was you know a connection there, or Chris Alford from a broadcasting point of view having. Uh, the respect of somebody like you means a hell of a lot to be in from a form perspective, and 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 just feeling like you you know what you're doing, Hutchie, obviously, and and Tara Tom. When when I finally connected with Tara Tom, there's just people in your life, aren't there? There's 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 yeah. people as you're coming through that you look at and go, if if I can get their respect, I'll actually feel I, I feel like I'm pretending until until I get the nod of the head from them. And Tara Tom was one for me. Yeah, oh, totally. Look, Bill Bill Hutchison, someone I've had a great association with for a long period of time, and he's a, a person like Tom that if they wanted to offer advice, you would listen to them, yeah. um, uh, or they would engage with you because they were actually trying to better you. They were trying to better the industry, uh, their outlook on um, harness racing in particular, if not life in general, was that of um, absolute respect and wanting to assist and help and improve and. You know, that's what I uh, really am going to miss the most about uh, Tom because he was very much uh, like that. He just wanted to see the best the harness racing industry could be and um, whoever it was that were in those roles, if they respected you, they did their best to support you. And I found that Tom did that. Um, and as you've just touched on, you, you feel very similarly and, um, you know, on reflection rather chuffed that they... They, they, in a way, could live part of their dream through you, and I felt that way. Uh, yeah, beyond beyond, it still feels very, very special. And um, our thoughts go out to everyone, the, the many, many, many people who loved Tom, or even he was one of those characters, I think, that uh, you only had to meet him a couple of times and you felt you had a connection uh, with Tara Tom Hogan. Uh, and I can tell you, he and Hutchie are the kind of people where if they were going to give you advice... You'd listen, and if you didn't listen, they'd make you listen. Uh, right, let's get stuck into this amazing meeting. First event on the program is the Acurity at Haraz de Trotteurs. Vic Bread Super Series final for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings, and the locomotive is looking to go back-to-back in what uh, most participants still call the sires. Um, now, it, this is the case for a number of the, the short price favourites tonight, I reckon, Dan. And I'll be interested in your thoughts because we've got 10 red figure favourites. But mm. it feels like nearly all of them, nearly all of them, not quite all of them, but nearly all of them, there's not a massive margin for error. I am with the locomotive yeah. here. Um, I think j- just it's that weaponry, isn't it? I think you'll be able to find the front once it gets there. Even though there's some very good rivals, I think he's going to be extraordinarily hard to beat. I can see peak domination after that with Stevie G and Moonwalker figuring uh, in the placings. But then you've got so many other runners, haven't you? Prince of Rock, got a feeling, as you know, having a legal, even four out of five. Mitchell Rapp went fantastic in its it qualifier. So it's um, it, it's one of those nights, isn't it, where... And I'll be interested to see how many of the favourites you actually tip because 
there's not a huge margin for error for most of them, including the locomotive, is there? Oh, there's no doubt about that. In fact, uh, in a lot of cases, it's the barrier draw. And, and I think yep. we've got a good idea of true ability in horses. And even though there's mm. a few really short price favourites, sometimes the difference is not as big as what the barrier draw is making out it should be. Um, so therefore, that might create a bit of value. But I, I'm a bit like you. There were a number of horses that um, I almost felt compelled or obliged to tip, but yeah. wouldn't back them. And yeah. it's one of those strange sort of nights, and we'll get to some of those races as we go. Maybe there's a little bit of this here because it does look as if the locomotive can work his way to the top. He's a big, powerful horse. He was really good winning uh, his heat to qualify here. And if he is in front, and you make a good point about leg uh, peg domination because it's going to be a warmish night, uh, and I usually find the warmer the night, the more pig dominated it will be. And particularly yeah. when you're getting a really good bunch of horses, particularly in series like these. Um, so being on the pegs and being in front, uh, I, it's going to be no disadvantage, put it that way. I don't think there is much between the locomotive and got feelings, you know, and pe perhaps the market is suggesting uh, that is the case. And it's only the barrier draw. Um, I... <laughs> It was close enough to a flip of the coin, just the barrier that made the difference for me. The locomotive got feelings you know. Prince of Rock's very good. Um, and Stevie G's got the barrier draw where he's got to be effective from that gate. There's a few others that have got chances of running into the top four. I'd say Moonwalk is one of those. Maybe What's Up Party Time as well. My tips are 4, 12, 11 and 1. But I think the locomotive, I'm not saying he won't get any shorter, but in my eyes, he's short enough. I... Don't think you'll get any shorter. I think I I, I think the dollar fifty that's available right now. I, I yeah, I think yeah. I don't think you'll get any shorter anyway because uh, got a feeling you know is the one that they've isolated the market and you've got it as your major danger. But I can see a, a little move for Stevie G, a little move for Moonwalker, a little move for mm. I, th I think a medium move for Prince of Rock potentially given its record. And then you've got others here that went so well in the heat. You just think someone will have a little dip at. Four out of five at one hundred twenty-six dollars, or Avenal Eagle, or Mitchell Rap. So I think um, I think a dollar fifty is as short as it'll go. I am having it as the first leg of a five-leg multi, just just because, as we mentioned, the circumstances. And Wayne Potter is a brilliant trainer, and he's done this before with the locomotive, um, going back to another uh, major series where sort of finished down the track early in the in the red, well in the Redwood and the Tatlow and then was able to peak at the right time and I think he's got the locomotive peaking at the right time once again here that's the first race of 12 group ones in the card one and a half million dollars up for grabs and we stick with the square gators here this is the hardest race on the program without doubt or question for me but it's all opinion based they used to me at Haras de Trotters Vic Bread Super Series final for the four-year-old trotting mares if you've got a very confident opinion here Dan I I could easily be swayed because I this was particularly when you're just starting the form and this is race two on the card I thought to myself is this Vic Bread Super Series not this is supposed to be easy uh, yeah that's true I, th this was an interesting race because I went through a number of horses one by one and I I couldn't get confidence to uh, want to tip them and therefore well it wasn't necessarily a process of elimination I went back on face value to weigh up a performance of a particular runner and um, I was taken with it significantly and I, I know it's trimmed up just a, a little bit from a bit of, uh, bit of odds but I think it's still worth uh, a play at double figure odds and I'm talking about Queen of Quebec, number 13. Um, yeah. Look, 
there's been a couple of occasions where she, her manners have let her down and significantly, but she's come off the back of a couple of runs where that has happened. And she sat a little bit closer in the run. The barrier draw made a big difference at Bendigo, but the most impressive aspect of it, and remembering it was a wet track and she was 30 to one, it was the way she picked up Gardena, Ronda and Revelstoke. We're talking about two really good and very quick yeah. uh, trotters. And she reeled them in like a really good horse. And I just thought, well, if you can do that like, like you did. I reckon you can do it from the back of the field as well. But the trick is that she um, has to do everything right, got to yeah. score up and get the right run. But I thought at the time I was looking at that, she was about $15. So I've tipped her as my each way um, or value runner for the night. So Queen of Quebec on top. I think the hardest to beat Lady Adela because she is far more professional. She's taken some really good scalps. Um, she's very smart. Uh, Elder Baron Vera, Definitely in the mix. I like the way she toughed it out against Lady Adelia last start. She's probably going to have to do something similar, but I, I like the way she's come back from a long spell. So 13, 10, and 9. So that means there are three horses that are on um, the um, back row that I've come up with here as the main chances. For that to happen, there's got to be something else that is uh, in the mix or from the front line. And I thought Gardena Ronda might be the one. She had to step up and trip last start, and that's going to be where the query is, whether she can run up that strong trip. But her performance was very good. She went past Revelstoke. Um, and Revelstoke from Barrier 1, I just couldn't have her on that run and her runs prior. At her best, Revelstoke, you'd think, would be a, a $2.20 favourite or equal favourite. But uh, she doesn't seem to be going as well. She's not yeah. going super bad, but I don't know she's going well enough. And I've actually worked around her, which is... Um, probably doesn't make sense having seen she's drawn one, but I, I thought she was entitled to do much better last start. The splits were pretty good. I know it was a wet track, but the way Gardena Ronda and Queen of Quebec picked her up, um, she's going to have to improve a couple of lengths, and I didn't know where that improvement would come from. So I've tipped 13, 10, 9, and 7. We're not far away from... Uh... Uh, from the big break, the big break that we have at the end of the uh, first half hour of the Friday Four panel. Nine, one, ten, and seven for me. So I've gone Elder Baron Vera. I'll only make a couple of points here. And you've sort of made two cases that I want to talk about when we come back from the break and obviously come back for the second hour. A couple of points in that race. And also, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I want to talk a little bit about how many runners can win this race. Time for a break. We'll come back for a big second hour of the Friday Form panel here on SEN Track. Live on SEN Track, welcome to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. Uh, the two points, it seems like it's been uh, about half an hour since. The two points I wanted to make about race two is it was interesting listening uh, to you talk about the Revelstoke uh, qualifier for this race or the Queen of Quebec qualifier because... Of course, she was the winner. It, it, sometimes when you're watching a race like that, it's hard, isn't it, Dan, to look at and say, well, who was outstanding? Well, you know, you, you kind of look at it and say, Queen of Quebec was outstanding and Revel Stoke was slightly disappointing in trying to sort of uh, manage the the balance between the two, isn't it? Because you kind of, you look at this mm. race here and there wasn't a lot between them and Revel Stoke's drawn one, probably leads, but it's, it, it's kind of a balance to try and work out. Well, was Revel Stoke, you know... Where is she at? Um, although Anton Galino has got almost a thoroughbred mentality in some ways where he'll be wanting to peak Revelstoke for the uh, for the big dance here. And and how good was Queen of Quebec? It's it's it's, it's an interesting balance to try and strike when you're 
when you when, when you sort of watching those heats and semi-finals of the uh, of the various gates and, and work out how good certain runs were. Yeah, no doubt about that. Revelstoke won the three-year-old Phillies division and she did it from outside the back row and she yeah. did it by a big space. But yeah. personally, I don't think she's going anywhere near as well as that. However, you know, she's still got a second to RC Phoenix. She finished in the same suburb as Queen Elida um, and she was beaten less than two metres last start. Maybe I'm just a harsh marker or I expected a lot more of her um, Revelstoke. So... Um, Look, she deserves to be in the market or on past form, um, one of the favourites. But on her last run, I just thought she was too easily dashed, out-dashed by um, Queen of Quebec and Gardena Ronda, two of her main... The fact that Gardena Ronda was suspect, suspect at that, that distance made me think that Revelstoke's performance was um, um, uh, a little disappointing. Well, it's interesting. That's a nice segue because I thought Gardetta Ronda was the biggest value in the race. But I've gone 9, 1, 10 and 7. Funnily enough, just very quickly, for those who haven't done the form yet, you've still got plenty of time tomorrow. And I know this sounds slightly childish, but it, it actually works for me and it can work for you. All you have to do is go back. If you don't know the, the racing that well, go back and watch the heats. I literally just marked every runner out of 10 in the heats and semifinals. Yep. And, and, and it's amazing, particularly in the square gating divisions, Dan, if you do that, like... Here, the highest-rated runners from the heats were Aldebaran, and Vera and Queen of Quebec. So I totally understand why you've gone yeah. that way. And you, you, you kind of look at even Mitchell Rapp in, in the first event. There's an opportunity here. Just do that and then maybe just back whatever you thought were the best runs rather than getting heavily involved in maps and all the rest because they can go, they can go awry, particularly for the trotters, can't they? Oh, it makes so much sense. And there was a couple of races there. There were a few horses that broke and others were checked. And you really actually have to watch them six or seven times. But yeah. I'm not dissimilar to you. But I do enjoy um, doing that, looking at those replays. And that's the way we're trying to find um, a bit of value. And you're probably more capable of seeing that in some of the uh, trotting heads because they're not yeah. run in town. And maybe during the week, and perhaps you haven't seen them live, uh, they're always good to go through, and you'll find something at uh, well at good odds, whether they win or not. But you always feel pretty good getting the good odds. Yeah, you always do. Uh, race three, we've got to keep moving. Four-year-old uh, trotting in ties and geldings final. Now, I'm nearly certain that Christopher Snooze Fenosio is going to win this race. I didn't have anywhere near the separation in odds between RC Phoenix and Ottawa Kelly, and I'll tell you why. Because RC Phoenix, I think, is the better horse. But there's an even there's an article right now up on the trots.com.au. Uh, um, where Chris Finozio says there's not a lot between them. Ottawa Coey's not guaranteed to find the front, but I tell you what, I tell you what, if he does, he usually wins. And um, and you look at their best mile rates and best performances, and you just think five dollars for Ottawa Coey against a dollar fifty-five for RC Phoenix seems wrong. I'm still going twelve three, and the other two that I've thrown in, Sebastian's boy, is you know sometimes because of the. The boom and the fact that everyone knows he's a good horse, he starts shorter than he should because of his manners. Here, 23 and 420, getting an opportunity. I've thrown him in for fourth and just above him, Key Yang Chucky. I thought Royal Dan, particularly early. I know I know you're Royal. You're, you're the real Royal Dan, Malachi, but Royal Dan was uh, was a little bit too short now at the $10. Give us your thoughts. Is $1.55 right or are you with me that um, I think these odds will compress at least a little bit? 
Look, I think it's a competitive enough race. There's a, enough talent in the race that it's just not going to be a walk in the park for race RC Phoenix. But often what I'll do is I'll, I'll then pit the favourite one-on-one against every horse in that race. And I satisfy myself that RC Phoenix one-on-one is better than any horse in this race. So it's the luck in running uh, and the fact that he may have to sit parked. Does that weaken his chances? It could a little bit, but he might have enough on them. Um, I think he's in the zone now, RC Phoenix, and I think he's the one to beat without hesitation. Arakoi, um, look, the good thing about Arakoi, it doesn't have to lead. Um, it might be a good chance of doing that, um, but uh, it's still a really good chance of figuring prominently regardless of where it sits. Uh, Royal Dam, the other one, lightly raced, but he is going well, and Keying, Chucky, uh, ditto. So 12, 3, 5, 11. The long shot that I've got time for is Gaelic Lad. Now he's drawn the front line yeah, because right. he's got good gate speed. He'll mm, yes. possibly cross EB Mac beyond the pegs, and he might be that long shot that provides a bit of value in some uh, exotic plays. Um, look, I think it's a decent field. of Courage Stride was at its best. He's another one you can entertain. And Kai Valley Piero is going really well uh, also. And you made mention of Sebastian's boy. A lot of the times his problem is the score-up, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, And he gives away too much of a start. It really is a good race. Um, and I can come up with cases for other horses, but with every case I come up with another horse, I've got RC Phoenix on top. I've got 12, again, 12, 3, 11 and 13. But we've already given a couple of... Uh, I love... I love the education aspect of uh, of being able to be in the uh, broadcasting space, particularly when you're doing form. And there's a like there's a couple of rules that you can follow, particularly with these finals. Uh, you can go back and just rate runners out of ten, and also that that is a wonderful philosophy. I, I'm assuming right across the board when you're doing thoroughbred form, it's the same. You kind of look. This is my benchmark runner. Now I'm going to go. Now I'm going to go one on one with everything else, and and say well. Who can go with you? Is it something you use right across the board with form, Dan? Oh, yeah, my word, I do. But it's a good way to deduce yeah. whether you are a genuine dollar fifty shot or not. Yeah. Because if they're not the best horse, or you don't think they're the best horse, but they are the favourite, well, that's when you might find your value. So in this case, there's value, but I still think RC Phoenix is the best horse. And because uh, often you'll get let down if you take your exotics or you take a, an all-up, uh, the shorty lets you down, and you get sucked into believing it's the good thing. But sometimes, um, just because it's a dollar twenty, often in harness racing, it's because of the draw. So, um, and you can get sucked in because you're always looking for a, a six-leg multi. Always sounds better than the five-leg multi, doesn't it? And it's usually the shorty that lets you down. <laughs> usually, none of them sound very nice to me, to be honest. I, 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 yeah, but I'll be having one here after uh, a little bit of success last week. Um, Yes, RC Phoenix uh, does. I'll give you a little stat quickly before we move on to race four. So RC Phoenix has been in the breeze four times in uh, in his career. He's won once, well, four in his last 20. He's won once and placed on three occasions. But this is where data and statistics can be a little bit misleading because I think on at least two of those occasions, he was beaten by a little pony called Cravash Door and not beaten far. So I think in this field, you look at it and say he could probably breeze and he'd win Three out of four times. Race four. We get to the paces now. The Storm Inside Vic Bread Super Series decider for the baby boys, two-year-old Colts and Geldings. And now we step up in prize money to $150,000. And I'm so intrigued by what you're going to say because this is, a, a, again, another case. Storm Riders at $1.45. And will he be in my multi? Yes, he will be. Do I think he'll win? Yes, I do. Is there is there much or anything between 
He, Bay of Biscay, Kingman, not really. And the other critical factor here, even though he's been disappointing in two runs back from a break, I've got Wardan Buddy getting across to the front and trailing Storm Rider, and that is going to um, exponentially assist in his improved performance, I believe, Daniel. Oh, no doubt about that. I, I'm a bit with you. If Storm Rider, I'd be happy to take him on with a different barrier draw, but from that gate, it looks like he'll end up in front, and he can run the times. That's the thing. You're going to have yeah. to run really quick sectional times to beat him, which means he is outstanding, but most of the other Emma Stewart-trained horses are as well. Uh, one horse that won't be winning is Bay of Biscay. He's been scratched, so oh, there's, uh, and he, he was right in the market, so he's out Bay of Biscay. Um, I've got a lot of time for Kingman, a lot of time. I reckon he might be the best of these um, two-year-olds that Emma's got, but from barrier 13, he, you know, he has to do more than make his own luck. He's got to break the clock getting around them, and um, I think he can still run really well and maybe have something on as a, a bit of a saver at the odds. But from that gate, if Stormride is in front and running those sub-55 second last halves, um, it might narrow the winning chances down. So... Wardan Buddy's the only horse that has ever beaten Stormrider in a race. It was narrow, right, yeah. but, you know, this horse, remember, punched through from the back row last week, ran a really fast first 300 metres. Yeah. Um, this time drawn too, so it's fitter and got a much better barrier draw. Mm. And as you say, if it can get to the pegs first, um, it's probably the better bet each way. Um, yeah, or, or even to take, say, a Quinella Exacta or, or be comfortable enough to be able to back it. Um, I, look, I've got Stormrider on top, but I think Wardan Buddy, because of the, the race shape, is going to be the hardest to beat. I've got a lot of time for Kingman. I gave him a really good push last week, and I think he went absolutely super. But again, from Barry up 13, it, it's just so difficult when you've got fast horses up the front. Um, Mickey to success, considering he paced so roughly at different stages last week. I thought his run was fabulous under the circumstances. Yeah. And I don't want to dismiss him either. So I've got the Emma Stewart um, horses uh, as my top four, which is probably no shock for anyone that are giving tips on the race. But I've uh, I've tipped Stormrider, but I'm, I'm, I'm not confident enough to just backward end, buddy, but I can really make a case for him. So four, two, 13 and three. I'm going 4-2-13 and 1 here. Uh, Keith Cotchin, an enormous effort. He's had many good horses. Sent up by Bromac, obviously comes to mind. But Otanabe, Bromac, our Luciano went terrific and gets the pole marking for all three back to poles. Great opportunity to run a place here. So 4-2-13 and 1. And just quickly before we go to the break, I the panic, if you could see the panic in my eyes last week when Kingman got behind the leader after your assessment, Dad, I, I, I was just thinking, if there's one horse I don't want now after the uh, after the galloping expeditions, uh, I think it was Mickey to success, I thought, I don't want Kingman there. And uh, weirdly enough, even though the margin wasn't big, Stormrider nearly went up in my ex- estimations. Yeah. The fact that it, it, it just held and you felt like if they went for another 200 metres, it just would have kept holding. And that's why I'm even looking at Wardan Buddy, and I, I know he's going to be dangerous, mm. but I don't know if Wardan Buddy is better than... Kingman, so even if he's behind the leader, you know, I'm just thinking, I know the dollar forty-five sounds ridiculous, but you just you just feel like if he's in front, Storm Rider, you know, and, and I, where does the pressure come from? So that, mm. that's why I'm, 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 I think we're both happy, even though, you know, it's, it's never easy to tip dollar forty-five chances, but um, I think that's why we're both happy to go that way. 
Yeah, no doubt. If you draw in the second row, there could be something else we find yeah, out about him. He might be better coming from behind. <laughs> Who's to say? But yeah. you're right. He did lift when he when Kingman got on his eye line. There's no he had to lift, but yeah. he did like a good horse. Yeah. All right, we'll take we'll take a break. And uh, if anybody at the tab is uh, listening to the Friday form panel, which they should, uh, Bay of Biscay is still in the market, so we might want to take it out. We'll go for a break. We'll come back. We've still got eight races to go, and. We'll start to accelerate through when we return. This is the Friday form panel, the most popular show of all week. Oh, no, Wombat does a great job. Uh, most popular show of all week on Trot's Life. We're on SEN track. We'll be back in a moment. And the next race we're going to look at, in my opinion, is the race of the night. We'll talk soon.